Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. We are so excited to be here with you today as we are continuing the Daybell Vallow saga because every week, just when we think maybe we'll pick another topic and come back to this, something crazy happens. And I'll tell you yep. what, a lot more than just one thing crazy happened this week. Oh, it has the list been is a long, week. my friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really has. And we're going to tell you all about it today. But mm-hmm. first, we usually do a little check-in. So, Katie, how are you? I am so well. Uh, you know, quarantine is kind of starting to lift a little bit in our state. And mm-hmm. I actually went into a public place this week for the first time in seven weeks, well, eight weeks now, but mm-hmm. I finally, uh, on Tuesday, I have had in the past, my teenage daughter and I, we have a, a tradition that we go to Kiwi Loco on Tuesdays uh, and get to, you know, get our yogurt. And we always do that. We've been doing that for a long time. And since the, we've been shut down, I haven't dared go in, but sometimes we still go and she goes and gets them both. But I went, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I, I think I'm good. So I did uh, wear a mask, of course, and I did use a, a napkin to touch the levers and stuff, you know, to just not mm. touch anything. Yeah. But yeah, it felt weird. I almost felt like a kid like sneaking out that was grounded, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, am I do. supposed to be in here. Yeah. 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 It's kind of awesome and also kind of scary. Yeah. I, and I went really... in a store this and had the same experience. Like did you should I be here? I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, because Christy and I both have uh, significant immune issues, you know, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be anywhere, <laughs> but no. we're going to have to just for at least this next year, at least through this year, we're just going to both have to stay home a lot and be really careful. And, you know, yes. that's just what we're doing, but an occasional trip out is necessary. I have not had labs. I'm supposed to have monthly labs. I realized the other day it's now I'm eight weeks late on labs. Uh-oh. Because I just have not wanted to take myself to a medical facility very bad. But that's okay. going to have to happen here soon. But yeah, yeah, I've just been chilling at home. Well, it's what we've got to do. And, you know, we're we're fortunate to have families who don't mind being our personal shoppers. Yeah. Uh, which is nice because, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be a while before we're back into the world for real. So, yeah. Yeah, but we were able to be back in the world virtually this week on oh, our case weren't we, though? in a <laughs> big way. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to cover today. Mm-hmm. So first, we're going to cover what Justin Lum from Fox News 10 broke this week. It's a couple of documents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an email from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. Yep. Uh, this email happened quite a while before all this other stuff went down. Um Pretty interesting stuff, and we're going to talk all about it and and yeah. and give our impression of what it means if mm-hmm. if there really can be a meaning to it that is not insane. Um, and yeah. then we are going to talk about the most bonkers bail reduction hearing <laughs> that maybe has ever happened ever. And yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'm a social worker. I have sat through a lot of court hearings with people. And I have never seen anything like this. <laughs> so there was sure nor the judge or prosecutor had ever seen anything like this. No, no. So on May 1st, <laughs> there was a bond reduction hearing mm-hmm. for, well, it, it really was for Lori Vallow Daybell, although really very little of the hearing was about her at all. Mm-hmm. Hardly ever even spoke her name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this, this was, of course, initiated by her attorney, Mark Means. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give you the blow by blow. And, 
you're, you're going to want to sit down for this. I, I by her future former attorney, Mark. Um, if she's got any brains at all, <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. This, yeah. So we're going to get there. But first, yeah. we want to talk about um, these documents that yeah. Justin. Before Justin we get Lund there, though. Broke. Yes. Uh, let's just. Uh, Let's qualify. I, I realize that sometimes we carry on with our podcast as if uh, you guys have been listening all along and some of you oh, have not. And so let's back up for just a second and just quantify a couple of things about this case or qualify, I guess, um, why we're covering this case so mm -hmm. ineptly and uh, I don't know, ineptly or I don't know. <laughs> in our very own way. In I our think. very own way. So Christy and I are from the town where this case is playing out in Rexburg, Idaho. And I live just a few blocks from where these kids allegedly disappeared. Uh, I didn't know them. They only lived in our town for an extremely short time. This isn't something that happens where I live ever, like no. ever. And the case that is, you know, hit our courthouse right now is easily the biggest thing that has ever hit our town in a, in a legal or a crime manner. And we have already done four podcasts about this case. And so if you want all of the dirty deets, you really have to go back and listen. It is a lot to unpack. We get it. When Lifetime does a movie about this, it will be a miniseries. Yes, it will. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it will. is a huge case with a lot of intricacies. And so if we're confusing you or we're throwing out a lot of names you don't get, go back and listen. I promise you will not uh, regret it. Hopefully, yes. uh, you know, I know I'll, I'll, well, I'll freely admit this case keeps me up at night and it may you as well oh, when you dive in. But the reason we decided to cover this case uh, as in-depth as we have uh, is a couple of reasons, partly because it's happening in our backyard. And well, we should because say the kids' names are J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. This is really yes. about two missing children. Yeah. Um, it's also about a whole lot of other things like dead adults. But yeah, yeah. But the first the and foremost about these kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's some levity in this case, and sometimes there's, you know, some absolutely bananas stuff that we laugh about, but we don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that there are two missing children. There continue yes. to be two missing children. That is our paramount focus, is yes. helping sort that out for you, for us, for, you know, the world. Where are these kids and what has happened? So, yeah, we want to make sure that we always say their names. We always put some focus back on them because that's the point. Yeah. The other reason that we cover this case is because Christy and I are both former Mormons and the people at the, you know, the crux of this case are Mormons or former Mormons themselves. And we feel like sometimes we have a little uh, better insight into their behavior and into their uh, spinoff of spiritual beliefs. I mean, no, we're not claiming that what they believe is Mormonism. It isn't. Um, it's no. But there are some bits and pieces that have definitely been taken from there. And so... Mm. We always want to make sure we kind of throw it out there. That's why we feel like we are uniquely qualified in some ways to cover this case. So, Christy, back to you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for that. I do forget because we are so, we're like waist deep in this case now. And so I do forget yeah. to go back to the beginning. But yeah, definitely, if you haven't heard about this case before, go watch starting with Where Are the Children, our episode, Where Are the Children? And mm -hmm. um and and then move yourself forward from that one, then you'll better understand. But if you've been with mm -hmm. us all along, here we go. So yep. Justin Lum, who is a reporter for Fox News 10 in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And and the thing you have to understand is that uh, Lori Vallow and her uh, deceased husband, Charles Vallow, they lived in Arizona. 
And the children were living in Arizona as well prior to living in Idaho. So Mm -hmm. this case carries back to Arizona a lot. And so he's... Uh He's like a dog with a bone on this case. I'm very, Mm -hmm. very impressed by him and all the work he's doing. So he released an email that was sent by Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. Mm -hmm. And the subject line was family history information. Now, I found that it was when? When? Wasn't it sent in 2018? Yeah, in 2018. So that's Mm -hmm. part of it is that it also, you know, very clearly shows a relationship between these two people clear back in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were married, of course, in November of 2019, shortly after Chad's wife died um, unexpectedly and maybe nefariously and uh, after Lori's husband had passed only a few months. So, mm-hmm. but what we know is they knew each other long, long before all of that yeah. occurred. Mm-hmm. I found the title of the, the subject line of the email, interesting family history information. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Mormons, Mormons are way into family history and genealogy. And so to see that subject line, you would think that this is a genealogical uh, information kind of email, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's misleading. It is. Yeah. But in a completely different kind of way. Yeah. So this email breaks people down into two categories, light spirits and dark spirits. And there's some information here that has a lot to do with, I think it's very important to understand it because it is very much about their beliefs mm-hmm. and, and may indicate some of what's happened to some of the people who are no longer with this family. So Basically, I'm just going to read through some of it for you so you understand it. Um, So they're breaking down people as in being light or dark. And what they're indicating is that there is an equal number of dark spirits to all light spirits. Uh And he has done something (laughs) very strange, which is to estimate the number of men and women on the planet that are light and dark at various levels. Uh And um, so here are just some breakdowns of that. They say that most LDS members, those are Mormons, are a level two. So a level two is usually light, but can switch to dark pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Most bishops and ward leaders in the Mormon church are a level three, also light, but could Mm -hmm. switch to dark pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most state presidents and general authorities, which are higher level Mormon, um, uh, Authorities are Mm -hmm. level four. Most apostles, those are the super high ups in the Mormon. uh, uh, What am I trying to say? Authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Are level five and a few are level six. Mm -hmm. The dark side can only match the light numbers, not exceed them. So they're talking about rating people, basically. And that's why there are some fives on earth right now, because it limits the dark's power because the dark, whatever the dark is, can only have as many of in their faction as are in the light faction. So twos and threes are fluid and can change sides during earth life. 4.1 and above have made covenants to their side. So they rarely switch sides. So that's some general information. So now she, um, Lori obviously had asked him, to break her family down into light and dark. Mm-hmm. What this is based upon or how this is determined, no idea. Oh, it's, I think it's determined right out of Chad's, you know, he considers himself to be a prophet. He's right. just, these you'll, are his opinions. You'll also yeah. see um, a trend here that people that have become a, a challenge in Lori and Chad's life are 
darks and the mm-hmm. people they like are lights. So mm-hmm. let's just be clear about that. Uh, Barry Cox, I, who I believe is Lori's mo- Lori's father, mm-hmm. uh, and Janice Cox, her mother, are mm-hmm. three L's. So they're level three lights. So remember, mm-hmm. twos and threes could switch at any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy, who is a sister who has passed, was a three light on earth, but after what he calls graduating, which means dying, um, graduated to a 4.1 light. Alex, yeah. Alex Cox, um, Lori's brother who passed away in, in December was a two light. Mm -hmm. Adam Cox, another brother is a three light. Laura, another sister who had passed, uh, was a three light on earth and has graduated to a 4.1 light since passing away. Lori wow. is a 4.3 light. Wow. Look at Imagine her. Imagine that. I just. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised, actually. That's a lower ranking than I thought he would get, I mean, Lori, considering that she on. is a god on earth. I mean, right. what the hell does it take? I uh, Clearly, I don't know, because yeah. I was sort of shocked by that as well. Mm-hmm. Then Summer Cox Shiflet, who is also a sister, is a three mm-hmm. light. Her husband is a two light, but a borderline two dark. So oh, he, he could fall off the wagon at any time, apparently. Mm-hmm. Or his Ooh, first time. If I were him, I would uh, be sleeping with one eye open. I would as well. That's I wanted to mention that, that you're going to start to notice that a lot of these people who could mm-hmm. swap or who are on the D side of things are no longer with us. Um, Lori's first husband, who is not named here, is uh, given a two light. Her second husband, William Lagoya, is given a two dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, son, Colby Ryan, a three light. And Kelsey Ryan, who is Colby's d- wife, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is a three dark. So, Kelsey, sleep with one <laughs> eye open. That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. All of you on this list that are ID, be careful. I'm 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 mm-hmm. saying that honestly because clearly there uh, yeah. are things to be said here. Um, third mm-hmm. husband Joseph Ryan, who we've talked about extensively, uh-huh. is a four point three dark, uh, and it says here that he is now sealed away, which we mm-hmm. all know means he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, daughter Tylee Ryan, who was fifteen at the time of making mm-hmm. this list, four point one dark. Wow. 15-year-old girl who mm-hmm. is now missing and has been yeah. missing for six months. Yep. Longer than six months, eight months. Pretty that, freaking telling. Pretty telling, yes. Okay, fourth husband, Charles Vallow, which interestingly, this letter was sent long before they were married. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? I think not. He yeah. is a 3L. Now, I got to say... I think it's pretty funny that he ranked himself as a three. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Wait, Charles Vallow. Oh, Charles Vallow. I'm sorry. Charles and Chad get mixed up in my head a whole lot. I'm sorry. This is her fourth husband, Charles Vallow, who is a three L. Also interesting because he's dead. Now, mm-hmm. remember, twos and threes can swap at any time according to whatever craziness this is. Mm-hmm. Um, his first wife, Charles's first wife, mm-hmm. a two D. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Cole Vallow, a 3D, one mm-hmm. of Charles' sons, whom, mm-hmm. who has the right to be ranking these people? I don't, and neither does yeah. anyone else, including Chad. Uh, Zach Vallow, a 3L, 3 light, and Joshua Vallow, a 4.2 light. Mm-hmm. 
niece, Melanie Boudreau, who is now Melanie. I can, never, I can never remember that name is ranked mm -hmm. as a three L three light and her husband, Brandon, a three dark. Now remember Brandon had some trouble with them. Brandon and Melanie are uh, divorced. Someone tried to kill Brandon was shot at. So he mm -hmm. was nearly on the, you know, sealed away list. Right. Well, and police are still investigating Alex Cox for that attempted murder. Alex of course is now deceased himself, but uh, at any rate. Yeah. So, Brandon was on the hit list. Yeah, yeah, he clearly was. And then therefore children. Both boys are three light, older girl, three light, younger girl, 4.1 light. So fortunately, these children are all light. But to be ranking other people's children, and frankly, other people in any way as light or dark, I think is really sick. Mm -hmm. And as you know, when people say this is not a cult, these people are not cult like. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is a pretty good indication of that, I, I feel. And when you look at that list and you look at how many people listed on mm -hmm. the D list are dead or missing. Mm -hmm. um, it also helps. Frightening. Yeah. Well, it also helps put in perspective something that Melanie Boudreau <coughs> said to the Chandler police when mm -hmm. they were interviewing her and asking her where the children are. Mm -hmm. And of course, she's just claiming that she just has no idea. Mm -hmm. But she said, sometimes children are full of light and then they're not. Yes. And then they're not. Yeah. Now that I think was referencing directly to J.J. Vallow because yep. he was a 4.2 light mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Uh, Tylee was ranked as a dark, a high yep. ranking dark from the very beginning at 15 mm -hmm. years old. Yeah. This adult man who mm -hmm. frankly doesn't even know this kid. Mm -hmm. This is just sick. This is sick yeah. stuff, but I think mm -hmm. it helps you to see into the heart of this situation yeah. and see into the heart of what these people are believing mm -hmm. and that they are in some way justified yeah. if a person on the D list is yep. sealed away, so to speak. I just knocked my microphone over. <laughs> I have some theories on sealed away. I yeah, think yeah. that's more than being dead. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect that there's some kind of a ritual uh, or prayer or some kind of a work. I'm going to call it a ritual for lack of a better term. But I, th mm -hmm. I, I suspect that when one of the, uh, you know, the big darkies dies, mm -hmm. is killed, whatever, uh, that Chad's doing some kind of ritual, something to seal them away so that their spirits cannot... Uh, you know, influence the world any longer or influence this family any longer. I think if we could get expanded on that, we'd discover that there's some kind of a procedure there that he's mm -hmm. carrying forth to seal them away. Yeah, I, I bet there is. I bet you're absolutely mm -hmm. right about that. Um, I also have a theory about the list in general. Mm -hmm. I would put money on the idea that he sent out, let's, that he did this uh, for work. This mm -hmm. looks like an email reading to me. Yes, you it know? does. And, and Christy and I are both professional psychics. We've done a lot of work over email over, you know, and people write you uh, for, uh, you know, they ask you for a reading. They ask you for, will you look into this situation or will you weigh in on that or will you look at that for me? Yeah. And you respond, right? Mm -hmm. I can't shake the idea that Chad's done this for a lot of people. Oh, I'll bet. And I would imagine that there are a great deal of these lists running around. Mm -hmm. I'll bet there are. I will bet there are. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, though, that if Katie or I do an email rating, we don't ever rank anyone by darkness and light. <laughs> no. 
or by deserving of being sealed away or anything like that. This is sick stuff. No. Really, yeah. really sick stuff. It is. But it reads to me like something that he was doing probably for money, you know, mm-hmm. probably for gain, uh, at least for some people, probably not for his precious Lori. But, you know, this was something that this is something he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> As a I, part I would, of who he believes he is. I would not doubt it, especially with the the beginning of the email, the way that it's just a, it's basically an explanation. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a numerology reading in a different right. way, but mm-hmm. it's, it's similar to how, um, you know, something like that might be spelled out. So I, I agree with you. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that this is something he has done for other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be super curious to see how he'd update this list now in 2020. Mm-hmm. I'd also be super curious to see, uh, yeah, well, because I'd like to know what uh, number he would put on Lori now. She's yeah. probably more like a 6.0 light, and I'm going to assume that he has always been a 6.0 light. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah well, very and interesting. some of the folks that were listed as light on this list maybe have mm-hmm. shifted to dark because some of them have uh-huh. passed or are missing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this, I feel like, tells us a lot about the motivation behind some yeah. of the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to, uh, you know, if I had to apply to this list, I think I would quantify Chad as more like a 6.0B for bonkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, but I feel like it's important just for, you know, mm-hmm. to understand where the thinking is coming from. Yeah. Because the they do believe that, these things absolutely. It does appear as though yeah. these, these are absolute beliefs on their part. Absolutely. And one thing that came up for me in this, uh, you know, with this list, people have really tried to uh, attach these guys to the Mormon church in ways that they're really not. Mormons yeah. have tried really hard to shun them in ways that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they really are more connected. You know, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of been both sides of it. I understand. Certainly crossover. This, this, but... Yeah, this isn't, uh, you know, this is certainly not what LDS people believe. It's not. No, uh, this is in no way Mormon doctrine at all. No. The only thing that came up for me as being quite interesting is that Mormons do have levels of salvation and, and yes. they are considered levels. So mm-hmm. when you die, you are assigned to the, the place that you belong, mm-hmm. the celestial, terrestrial, terrestrial, or the celestial kingdom. Those yeah. are the three levels, or outer darkness, if you were like a super baddie, you know. Maybe that's but, sealed away. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe. But the idea of levels, you know, didn't escape me here. Um, also, yeah. within those levels of heaven, there are levels within them. Mm-hmm. And there so... Are. You have to do certain things uh, in this lifetime in order to get yourself into like the highest level of the celestial kingdom would require that you do all of the things, you know, that you do all of the things that the church mandates throughout your life uh, in order to be able to, you know, ascend to that level. And so the idea of levels, I mean, there is some, uh, there is some crossover there, not Mm -hmm. to a a strong degree, but that is the one parallel that I did see there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously uh, that's not, you know, LDS people aren't slapping those levels on people and assuming that that's where they're going or anything of that sort. 
Well, kind of, except that um, when we were growing up as kids, we were certainly taught that there were certain behaviors and choices in your life that would land you at any of those levels. That's true. And, yeah. and it's kind of, it is similar in that way. And now the very highest level, the celestial kingdom, the highest level of the celestial kingdom is where you would then become a god of your own planet. So there is some connection, I think, but but definitely spun out of a delusional mind not out of you know and I'm not I'm not I'm not promoting the Mormons belief either I'm just saying you know this isn't their belief exactly you're muted I think um I am yeah yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there I I agree with you that there there's definitely some connection there so good to know yeah oh I think so really important to and we just see have the to, crossover yeah and we just have to thank Justin Lum for working so hard on this case and just he just does not give up and it is really appreciated because he has broken a lot of the really, really powerful um, stories in this case. Mm -hmm. Justin Lum has done an absolutely fantastic job of breaking yeah. story after story in this case. Um, mm -hmm. And locally, we also have to say a big shout out to Nate Eaton at East Idaho News mm -hmm. because he has done his part as well. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about that here in the second half of the show. Yes. So let's move on now to the uh, bail reduction hearing that happened mm -hmm. on first in the Madison County Courthouse. Yeah. We, of course, could not be there live. We would have been. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. would have been had we been well, able I to. did go. I did you, go you to did. the courthouse uh, about 30 minutes beforehand. Uh, we'll, I'll, we'll scroll through a few pictures here and maybe a little bit of video that I took on the courthouse steps, there was uh, there was a fair amount of news there, but nobody was allowed inside except for East Idaho News. Yeah, and they had uh, they were allowed because they were running the live stream. They were in charge of the media, but the media that they took uh, had to be shared with across all media sources, so it wasn't exclusive to them. But they were the ones that were allowed to come in and create the uh, the live stream, which and they live streamed it through YouTube. It was very useful. Um, but their ABC was there, uh, NBC was there, Dateline was there. There was quite a few other, uh, you know, outside media yeah. sources that were waiting. Because here's the thing. If bail was reduced, Lori could have been free that day. And if that was the case, they would have all stayed to try to get some film of her, footage of her leaving the courthouse. We would have been there, too you know, yeah. on another, yet another stakeout at that courthouse <laughs> to, uh, to, to get our own footage of her leaving the courthouse. Uh, so yeah, there was still, you know, a fair amount of press in town, but nothing like the press that was here for when she was first extradited in her, in her first moment in court, that was an absolute zoo, but you know, thanks to COVID things are a little different now, but yeah, we will share a few pictures. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for being there and doing that. It's so handy that you're you in town. <laughs> right. Hell so, yeah. So let's back up just a little bit so everyone understands. So Lori was originally arrested in Hawaii on a warrant from the state of Idaho, from Madison County. Mm -hmm. And she was held in, in the jail there where she mm -hmm. sought a bail reduction hearing because her bail was set at $5 million. That was set by a judge in Idaho. Mm -hmm. The judge in Hawaii denied her bail reduction claim and she waived her extradition hearing. Mm -hmm. So then she was extradited back to Idaho to the Madison County Jail. 
Mm -hmm. uh, well, short to be fair, she did. She saw two different judges in Hawaii, and they did petition both of those judges to reduce her bail. They both yeah. denied and that. They said not doing it. Yeah, yeah. So they brought her back here to Idaho. They put her in the Madison County Jail. They immediately had another bond reduction hearing, mm -hmm. in which the judge did reduce the bond from five million dollars to one million dollars. Mm -hmm. You, you got to know that this is absolutely humongous bail for a case mm -hmm. in Idaho. Oh, entirely. And, and probably the biggest bail ever in Madison County or one of mm -hmm. the biggest. One of the biggest. There was a, yeah, there, there was a murder, uh, I don't know, like two years ago that had the same bail, but that was, that was a murder. These aren't murder charges. The charges yeah. are two counts of child, in, uh, not in child, uh, abandonment. There you go. I want to say endangerment yeah. because they should be, but mm -hmm. <laughs> abandonment. Felony abandonment. It's all they can charge her mm -hmm. with right now because they don't know where the children are and yeah. she won't say. I mean, that's the underlying part of this case that I think we have to always remind everyone yeah. of is that she wouldn't be in jail at all if she would simply produce her children safe right. and well. Right. Um, but she's been through all of this, all of the arrest in courts in Hawaii, extradited yeah. to Idaho, mm -hmm. sitting in jail all for two months, yeah. you know, so far. Right. Well, and what they had requested every time they've done a bail hearing up to this one, they mm -hmm. have requested that the, the bail be reduced initially from five million dollars to ten thousand dollars. Yeah, can you imagine? And then um, up to fifty thousand. But but you know, mm -hmm. when it was reduced from five million to one million, if she could have gotten a bail bondsman to bail her out, it would have cost her and Chad around between 100,000 to 150,000 to yeah. pay the bail bondsman because it's 10 to 15%. That's not money you get back. That is a payment. It would have yep. cost them 100,000 to 150,000. Now there was some, you know, argument that Chad did have that money because he had received $430,000 of life insurance from his wife Tammy's death. So there was some thought that maybe they could make that bail. They tried really hard to. But what happened is that every bail bondsman that visited the jail basically said, you have to tell us where the kids are or we can't bail you out because yeah. essentially what they are predicting, you know, and they have to, their insurance company basically says, we have to know that this person's not going to screw us over for a million dollars. Yeah. Well, because they suspect that there are more charges coming. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, the children are still at large or, mm -hmm. you know, missing. And, and the attorney general's office is now investigating mm -hmm. Tammy Daybell's death and investigating right. both Lori and yeah. Chad. And so basically every bail bondsman said, you are a wild card for us because the that, that hasn't happened. I did hear that uh, there have been a, multiple bail, or a couple of bail bondsmen that actually met with her and said, if you will turn over the children, we will bond you out for no charge. She couldn't do it. Or wouldn't do it. Yeah. I also know that she offered bail bondsmen, rather than paying them, rights to the books and movies that will be coming from this case. Oh, my goodness. Literally, she and Chad deadpan looked these bail bondsmen in the face and said, we don't have the $100,000, but we will sign over. We will give you rights to the books and movies that are coming. They really think that they're going to get rich off of this. Yeah. That makes me sick. Please, no one write mm -hmm. a book and no one make a movie. Okay? Nobody do it. Unless you yeah. do it to benefit the family members who have lost so many people and yeah. not these sick people. Yeah. Un okay. Unfathomable. Unfathomable. But those are things so, to know about the bond. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that brings us then to this hearing, which was supposed to be a, a, a bail reduction hearing based on new evidence coming to light. That was mm-hmm. uh, the, the kind of bail reduction hearing that was requested by mm-hmm. Lori's attorney, Mark Means. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about Mark Means a little bit before. We know Mark mm-hmm. Means is actually not a defense attorney. Yeah. And that really came to light in a very big way during this hearing. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump into it. I want to say, I'm going to give you my very first impression of when the hearing started. When the hearing started, everyone, you know, everyone walks in and they wait and they say, please rise. And the judge comes in. Okay. Everyone's wearing a mask. All right. Everyone's wearing a surgical mask, except for the judge who has on a black mask that matches her robe. Mm -hmm. Mark means has got this bandana around his face. He looks like a train robber or a cattle rustler from an old Western. Uh-huh. He's also wearing cowboy boots, wearing cowboy boots, mm-hmm. um, really not looking as professional and respectful as he should be for court. Mm-hmm. I instantly had this thought of he was unprepared for this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it instantly gave me this feeling of this dude doesn't know what he's doing. He's unprepared. Mm-hmm. He didn't have real masks. Mm-hmm. You know, because and he thinks he's a maverick. Yeah, 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 clearly. He thinks he is, you know, some kind of John Wayne something. Yeah, he, he's not. He's more like a an Ernest goes to prison when you <laughs> learn more about it. <laughs> but I immediately thought, like everyone else, is prepared for this because this is one of the very first mm-hmm. hearings to be held in this courthouse since in a while. Yeah, in, in person since the lockdown because our state just lifted a, a bunch of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so, this was this court or this uh, hearing was rescheduled three times. Yeah, it, yeah. It, there, we've already missed two court dates that should have yeah. happened, and they finally they bumped it out it to here in person. They wanted it mm-hmm. in person instead of doing it teleconference style. Mm-hmm. So that was my first impression: was what the hell is on his face, and yeah. why does he look like a bank robber? You know, like that. Mm-hmm. It just it was stupid from the beginning. Mm-hmm. That that was like, yeah, this isn't going to go so well. Yeah. So then <laughs> we start into it. Okay, so the judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, they they do a bunch of procedural stuff. And then mm-hmm. the judge tells Mr. Means it's his turn to present his, what he called his declaration, which was actually supposed to be called an affidavit. Mm-hmm. Um, the very beginning of this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he asked the judge if it would be okay if he stayed seated while he spoke. And she informed him mm-hmm. that in the Seventh District Court, it is the custom to stand and you will stand. Mm-hmm. It seemed like just, uh, I'm just going to be an asshole from the Mm -hmm. very beginning to the judge. Like it's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Of course he has to stand. Have you ever seen a court hearing where the attorneys don't stand? I haven't. No. Uh, Here they always do. It's, it's out of respect. So he stood and then he started rattling off a list of reasons why he had really been picked on by the Madison County Jail, the Madison mm-hmm. County Prosecutor's Office, the Madison mm-hmm. County Detectives. The list went on and on and on. I, I got to say mm-hmm. that very few times was Lori ever referenced in this hearing, even though yeah. it was her bail reduction hearing. This mm-hmm. hearing was about how picked on Mark Means was. Uh-huh. There was even- a lot of, but your honor... Yes. They are being mean to me. Yes, it, it was a lot of that. So yeah. he started picking apart. So what happened is that uh, Prosecutor Wood, the Madison County prosecutor, um, had turned over the day before some affidavits um, that were basically their reasoning for um, enforcing bail. 
yeah, yeah. enforced sale, why they didn't want to see it get reduced. Mm-hmm. And okay, Mark Means had a hissy fit over this. First of all, he mm. didn't feel like he had nearly enough notice. He kept calling it a midnight affidavit, which it wasn't. It was uh, 24 hours prior. It was 18 pages long, which kind of cracked me up. Like, dude, you really have trouble reading 18 pages in 24 hours? What does mm-hmm. that say about you? Um, also, this affidavit was single-spaced, and it was supposed to be double-spaced, and he was super mad about that. I will have you know there is an Idaho statute. It could be <laughs> yeah. 47 or 49. He's yes. not sure. He quoted both he of them incorrectly. quoting the numbers of Idaho statutes mm-hmm. and bitching about... <laughs> Just about how the paperwork was wrong and they picked on him and this was just terrible. This was just Mm -hmm. inexcusable that this would be so late to him. And, oh, it went on and on. A lot and lot about what basically accusing the prosecutor of some real dirty pool Mm -hmm. for turning these affidavits in so late that, you know, this case, uh, this hearing was ordered like, you know, 30 days ago, 38 days ago. And And he could have turned these in at any time. And he waited until the day before and how dare he. And this isn't the way, uh, you know, this isn't a reputable way for attorneys to treat each other. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of attacks. I mean, there was, okay, let's just be honest. There was not a damn word said defending Lori in any way. Not Mm -hmm. a word said. No. So that went on for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the judge ruled against him in, in his, he wanted to have these affidavits thrown out. Mm-hmm. And the judge said, yeah, no, th- there's he nothing wants, wrong yeah. with this. He wanted <laughs> them thrown out based on the fact that they came in the day before and based on the fact that they were single-spaced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he kept quoting um, state statutes and the judge kept shooting him down. Well, I'm, you know, I'm looking through my book here and I don't see that written on this statute number. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of that. That went back and forth basically forever. Mm-hmm. So, he, he used two words repeatedly there in the yeah. main, in the first 20 minutes were we playing a drinking game yeah. you know unfortunately yeah. we had not predicted this but yeah. had we been playing a drinking game first uh, based on the word crammed <laughs> because he crammed information crammed yes. it down mark means throat crammed it into affidavits yes. crammed it in at the last minute I mean, there was cramming, you guys. Cramming on the paper by doing single space because it would have been too long if it had been double spaced. Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot of cramming. The other <laughs> word was extremely. Oh, my gosh. This he was extremely prejudicial. It was yes. extremely disrespectful. It was extremely late. This is extremely unfair to me and to my client. I am extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I extremely. am extremely offended extremely offended yeah mm-hmm. oh it went on and on and on mm-hmm. and it just you know you, you could only see so much of the courtroom um but mm-hmm. you certainly could see the prosecutor's face <laughs> with a mask on <laughs> giggling um <laughs> he laughed through the whole thing under his mask a total farce mm-hmm. so you know basically he tried to get the judge to throw these affidavits out for these reasons and the judge basically mm-hmm. said uh no these are not reasons to throw out an affidavit not doing it well, there's a really easy reason why that is. Yeah. The affidavits were not required. Yeah. How Idaho law actually reads, if Mr. Means understood Idaho law at all, which he clearly does not, at least not on the in the criminal factor, but how Idaho law actually reads is that the prosecutor was under absolutely no obligation to file affidavits at all. No. He could have just showed up and pled his case and told the you know, judge exactly what he was seeing and why he was you know, asking her to uphold bail. And he didn't have to file those 
at all. No, at all. Didn't require any notice at all. A courtesy. Yeah. It was actually a courtesy. And he didn't have to file them in any way. So throwing them out is there's just it's not gonna happen because he filed something that was a courtesy. There was no grounds to throw them out. And in fact, throwing them out really wouldn't have happened. No, no, it wouldn't have happened at all. And they could have just showed up with their um with their plan of attack basically on why the bail shouldn't have been re- reduced with no notice mm-hmm. to the yeah. defense in any way. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it was insane. So, I mean, so, basically means was just extremely wrong and yeah. he should have crammed his brain with a little more information. Yeah. Really should have. Maybe you should I, see go, what I did there. Yeah. Maybe go back to school. <laughs> maybe get some legal extra credits. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe not take on a criminal case when you're not a criminal law attorney, but that might be you the know, first- step in in maybe remedying this situation so is that there's so much of it but one of the thing there's a lots of procedural stuff so then they get to, so she says no i'm not throwing the affidavits out so then they get to his real defense his real what he calls new information coming to light mm-hmm. which um is that two phone calls that he had while speaking with his client were mm-hmm accidentally recorded by the Madison County jail. And we're going to get to why that is in a minute. In truth, three, three. Yes. But but he alleged many, 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 many. Untold numbers of many Mm -hmm. more. That was part of his declaration was -hmm. that it was his hunch, his gut feeling that there were Mm -hmm. many more calls than this. Now he has no proof of that at all. And we'll get to that. The Madison County jail has admitted to these and what happened and why Uh and, and, and how it was handled in a minute, but he left out entirely his own part in it. And we'll get to that. But uh, he, he alleged all kinds of things that were absolutely um, unproven. Mm -hmm. He said many times, well, your honor, if I had the information, except that he didn't. And Mm -hmm. she actually gave him the opportunity to continue this hearing and give him some Uh more time. Uh, He refused, wouldn't do Mm -hmm. it, uh, but was clearly, I don't know, unprepared, expected. Well, and that was back when he was arguing the affidavit, too. You know, that he was only given 24 hours to go over these affidavits. It didn't give him enough time. She said, okay, would you like a continuance? Crickets, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, definitely no, not no. having a continuance. So, yeah. so I don't know how to tell this without, I don't know, I guess it's hard to explain it, but there were a, a few times that his communications were recorded with his client. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. So the COVID-19 shutdown order happened. And when that mm-hmm. happened in jails, now attorneys can't meet face-to-face with their clients because they're trying to keep the virus out of the jail. So right? they went I mean, from- weird. I know, surprising, trying not to kill people, imagine. Uh, And he was super pissed about that and really seemed to imply that it was only affecting him and his client and not every single other person in that jail. Well, Um, and indicating that he's coming from out of state. This is one thing that I kind of wish the prosecutor would have called him on this one because he was just blatantly lying. He just continually kept saying, you know, because he is, his law practice is in Meridian, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Meridian, Idaho is a four to five hour drive from here. So he is coming a long ways, but he said that repeatedly on every point that he was whining so loudly about, Mm -hmm. but he continually said he is coming from out of state to see his client. He's absolutely not. Meridian is in fact in Idaho, Idaho. (laughs) but uh, everything he said was just so inflated. 
You it know. was. He just blew everything up. It mm-hmm. and it was a lot of distraction and subterfuge. I felt like it was yeah. like his. He was just going. You know, everyone's head was spinning. The judge's yeah. head was spinning. Everyone's head was spinning. And, it, mm-hmm. and and you know, he was pretty good at that. Unfortunately for him, the judge is a lot smarter than he is, and we'll oh. explain why in a few minutes. But so he's talking about these calls. So now he has to visit with his client in the situation where you know you're in separate rooms. You talk on a phone. Um, on a screen, you know, it's the way that anyone would visit someone in jail because attorneys mm-hmm. now don't have the right to meet face to face. Well, I guess I'll like just explain this because it's hard to go back. So what really happened, according to the prosecutor's office, is that, first of all, um, as an attorney, you have to register your phone number with Telnet, which is the system that runs the phone calls for the jail so uh-huh. that they know, oh, this is her attorney. Don't record this call. Well, he didn't do that because he's not Mm -hmm. a defense attorney and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So the first call that got recorded got recorded because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. That call Mm -hmm. showed up at the prosecutor's office. The prosecutor's office secretary listened to it. They discovered, realized what it was. They immediately deleted the call. They called Mm -hmm. Mr. Means and said, hey, we just discovered this. Um, You have to register your phone number with Telnet so that they don't record your phone calls. That's your responsibility as an attorney. So that was the Mm -hmm. first call. You got to remember. He didn't know because he wasn't a criminal law attorney. Well, and also he didn't even try to find out, you know, like he hasn't done his due diligence at all. His arrogance is, is... Over the top. But also, that was an absolute courtesy by the prosecutor's office. Yeah. One thing that the prosecutor, Rob Woods, explained is that client attorney-client privilege is alive and well, but it is absolutely up to the attorney to make sure that that confidentiality is, uh, you know, is happening. Right. And if you, for example, log on to a phone call that says to you, and they all do, Yes. Unless it's if it's not being recorded, that you won't get that warning. If it is being recorded, it will tell you this call is being recorded. Right. And one of the things he said was that according to Idaho law, if you engage on a phone call that tells you it's being recorded and monitored, you have given up a pl- attorney client privilege. You waived it because yeah. you carried forth with something that told you it was being recorded. It was a courtesy to delete those. Yes. It was a courtesy to let him know that this was happening. Yeah. He didn't have to do any of that. No, and they did. they did. But he did. Yeah. But he did. But he did. So yeah. the whole time means is basically saying that it's a conspiracy and everyone's trying to listen in on their calls and trying to derail their um, defense. And no, they're not. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. So then the other calls that happened – he went to the jail. He was physically visiting and still on that telnet system. Gets on the call. The call gives the recording. This call is being recorded. Uh-huh. He says to his, his client, we can't talk about that because this call is being recorded. So he knew <laughs> it was being recorded. And then he used that as this is a conspiracy against me. He didn't hang up and go to the booth and say, hey, I'm her attorney. I need to have a call with her that is not recorded. Mm-hmm. So he didn't do anything he was supposed to do as her attorney mm-hmm. and then wanted to turn it around on the county mm-hmm. and on the prosecutor's office and on the jail that, that this is a big conspiracy against him. And it absolutely is not. Mm-hmm. He has not done his due diligence 
Yep. And, you know, he's mad because they won't let him meet in person with her. Well, there's nothing anyone can do about that. People right. are dying all over the place in jails and mm -hmm. prisons with COVID. And so they have to be super careful that mm -hmm. they don't expose their inmates to this disease. Right. And so basically what it came down to is that the new evidence that came to light to um, call this bail reduction hearing is that he cannot adequately work with his client because of these restrictions and because of this conspiracy that is happening to record his phone calls. Yep. Which yep. in fact is not new evidence in any way at all. No, it's not new evidence no. in the least, but not in the one, least. One thing we didn't say, and I want to go back and say this because this is really important. At the beginning of the hearing, the judge mm -hmm. said, I want to make it very clear that this is a bail reduction hearing based on new evidence coming to light. I have not been asked to review the decision by the previous judge. Right, by Judge Eddins. By yeah. Judge Eddins. I have not been asked to review his decision. So basically... Mm -hmm. She said that two or three times. Yeah, really, and it really was a clue. hammered that in. And we knew it was a clue, was a a clue, clue. right away. We were like, yeah. oh, he's screwed. I know what this is yep. going to be. He, he did, did this wrong. Her. This was not an appeal. And he... Mm -hmm treated it in many ways. He tried to treat it as though it was an appeal. And he tried to mm -hmm. get into all of the rules about bail in Idaho. And she wouldn't even let him go there. She said, no, mm -hmm. that's not what you asked for. Mm -hmm. You asked for a bail reduction hearing based on new evidence coming to light, not mm -hmm. on an appeal of the previous judge's decision. Mm -hmm. um, that was a clue. If you had a half yeah. a brain, he probably should have taken it as a clue, but I don't think he did. It didn't seem to register with him no. what um, she was saying to him. I think everyone else got it that mm -hmm. he screwed himself over. Um, so this went on for two hours, two hours. Yeah. So this was a two and a half hour. This meeting, this uh, was scheduled for two and a half hours, this mm -hmm. hearing. Um, I don't think anyone expected it to be more than like 30 minutes at the maximum. Yeah. At two hours, the judge took a recess. He was finally done with his huge convoluted, doesn't make any sense stuff. And with no new evidence in the actual case coming to light at all. And the judge called for a 10-minute hearing or 10-minute recess. Yeah. She was dying. Her She couldn't breathe in her mm -hmm. mask. She yeah. was hot. She was having a really hard time. And so she left the room mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. Well, she'd so, also just, uh, you know, been the victim of a two-hour verbal assault of, of crap. Yeah. Higher bullshit. Yeah. I, her head had to have been spinning as much as oh, everybody else's was. Holy. God, I think we all needed a 10-minute recess. And, so, and let's just pause for one moment to talk about how fantastic she is. <laughs> she is absolutely the best. And Basically, she's seen just, him so many times. Oh, she was the master so of the professional, professional burn. Yeah. And I've been and twisted it and no one even mm -hmm. saw her do it. Um, oh, and just offered him the rope and he just wound yep. it around his neck and hung himself the whole time sure without uh, even realizing it. Yeah. yeah. Clueless the whole time. So, I think we'll be very pleased with this judge moving forward in this case. She is very savvy. So mm -hmm. she takes the recess and then, you know, everything comes back in 10 minutes. And finally, this is the first time the prosecutor has spoken in this hearing. Okay. It's been yeah. two hours. Mm -hmm. Finally, <laughs> Prosecutor Woods gets to stand up and say something. And, mm -hmm. you know, he refutes all of the um, accusations. Well, first he says, you know, I just want to make it clear that uh, I don't have to provide any affidavits for a bail reduction hearing, that that is entirely a courtesy and that mm -hmm. there is no time frame in which those things have to be delivered. And we didn't even have to do them at all. Mm -hmm. And so then he gets into the phone call stuff. 
And he talks about how his office did discover the first call and they discovered it was because Means didn't register his phone number and they did mm-hmm. let him know the, out of a courtesy mm-hmm. that it happened. And Which, then, that was the first place that Means got seriously called on the carpet because yes. Means didn't tell that part. Means' dialogue, mm-hmm. his whole side of the story, left out all of his own behavior and lack of understanding it was all implied that it was a conspiracy against him Mm -hmm. and his client mostly against him really Mm -hmm. it all was pretty much all about him it just went on and on about but yeah Yeah. so so that was um that was a very important piece of information Mm -hmm. then they talked about the um the way that you know attorneys are visiting their clients right now because of the virus and about how those phone calls work and then Mm -hmm. he about how Mr. Means most der- certainly did know that those calls were being recorded because they is there is a prompt at the beginning that tells them that they are being recorded. Yeah. And, you know, his own responses in the recordings certainly mm-hmm. indicated that he did know that and yeah. that there are ways around this system and that if Mr. Means mm-hmm. would you know, bother to do his share here, that it would mm-hmm. be fine. And, yeah. you know, basically that, hey, the Madison County Jail is doing the best they can in this situation. And if the attorney mm-hmm. himself isn't willing to do his mm-hmm. share, what are they supposed to do about it? Yeah. Exactly. So, and he talked for less than 10 minutes. I mean, it oh, was yeah. It was very it quick. Very long to refute all of it. Yeah, and um, basically just said, you know, we think she should stay put. We don't believe that any of the uh, new you know, facts and evidence that have been, you know, reported here today. So there were three things that he tried to argue. He tried to argue, A, that he can't communicate with his client effectively because the jail is, you know, being shitty. B, economic hardship. That Lori needs to be let out because, uh, you know, they need to lower bail for her because Chad can't possibly make that much bail because of economic downturn because ain't nobody's buying books during the quarantine which was hilarious because, uh, bro, everybody's buying books during the quarantine. Yeah. They're just not buying Chad's books during right. the quarantine. No one's buying Chad's books. But, you know, the economic hardship has hit everybody. That's not unfair to Lori. Nope. That, that's across the board. Also, if you know anything about book sales, which I do because I work for a publisher, is that mm-hmm. you um, the uh, royalties that he's receiving now mm-hmm. were six, eight months ago so sales. Right. They're, it's yeah. not current stuff at all. No. Uh, book royalties no. take forever to come mm-hmm. through. So yeah. it's, he's not actually economically being impacted yet by mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. you know, lack of book sales. Although I'm sure that, you know, all of this craziness coming to light probably has hurt his book sales, but that would be um, his mm-hmm. own fault. Um, yeah. People don't necessarily want to seek a whole lot of wisdom from someone who's accused of killing people. Yeah. But uh, exactly. so <laughs> there were those two points. Those were the main ones, you know, that the, well, those the three things: the uh, the recordings, the lack of being able to communicate with his or with his uh, with his client face to face. He said that if they lowered the bail to one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand, uh, he started at one hundred and fifty, and then somehow talked himself up to two hundred and fifty thousand. Did all on its own. That Lori would have some skin in the game. Yes, he skin said that. in the game, that which I thought time. was pretty rich because she has a hell of a lot of skin in the game. Oh yeah, but. Uh, the skin in the game so that uh, she can, uh, you know, adequately participate in her own defense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, I loved it because the judge, you know, said, well, you know, every, every single person in jail right now is going through the same thing and they've figured mm-hmm. it out. So we're pretty sure you can figure it out too. Yeah. Um, so, so the attorney, you know, the, the prosecutor made his statement. Then the, the, sadly, the judge has to go back to means because he gets the last word because he asked for this hearing. And so he mm-hmm. reiterates all his crap again, all mm-hmm. even about the affidavits that should have been thrown out that she'd already ruled on. He goes over all of it again. Mm-hmm. And then he says, in section six of the Constitution, <laughs> and the mm-hmm. judge goes, wait a minute. Which article of the Constitution? Oh, I mean, article six of the Constitution. And he, I don't know, he was trying to, <laughs> I think it was about speedy trial or I don't know. I'm not sure what the hell he was trying to say. Well, I, I can't remember, ma'am. I don't have the, or your honor, I don't have the Constitution memorized. If I could just take a moment and borrow a computer for a second, I can tell you. And she said, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> and so then she says, I want you to know that the Constitution means a lot to me. And I always have a copy of it with me. And she pulls out her pocket Constitution (laughs) and then spends easily five solid minutes leaping Mm -hmm. through it, looking at him, Mm -hmm. through it. Can't Mm -hmm. seem to find anything in Section 6 that says anything Mm -hmm. that has anything to do with this hearing. Well, Article (laughs) 6 actually (laughs) talks about... uh, being entitled to competent defense. Right. <laughs> competent defense. That was Article Six. So yeah. uh, that was uh, that was a real Freudian slip there on <laughs> on Mark Means' part because actually uh, what he was arguing essentially was that uh, his client had a shitty attorney. Yeah, yeah. And and the yeah. judge made it quite clear. Looked right at Lori and said, mm-hmm. you know that 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 Article Six of the Constitution actually says that you have the right to competent. Uh, representation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was hilarious. Oh my gosh. She burned him so hard on that one. Yeah. So many times. So eventually she finally did uh, have an opportunity to rule and looked it over and said, first of all, there is no new evidence. This is not evidence that would uh, justify a reduction in bail. She said, you know, I wasn't asked to, but I did go over Judge Eden's ruling and I felt like it was a sound ruling. And Basically, finally, after all of that, she said, you know, bail reduction is denied at this time. Uh, throughout the whole thing, uh, you know, there was a lot of shots of Lori. One uh, very petty <laughs> thing I'll mask. say, and then I'll leave it there, is uh, she's got a pretty good strip of roots coming in that are pewter gray. Yes. Yeah. It's not brown hair coming in. It is straight up gray. By the time this is over, she's going to be completely gray. About the only thing you could really see of her was mm-hmm. shooting daggers out of her eyes at the uh, judge mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. at the prosecutor. She, yeah. whenever the prosecutor was speaking, correct uh, courtroom decorum at all, not at all. And whenever the, the prosecutor was speaking, she was absolutely drilling him with dirty looks. And when the judge was speaking, yeah, she was doing the same. Yeah. Um, no cute painted toenails this time. She had socks on in her little j- <laughs> they, jail slippers. They actually yeah. looked with the camera at her feet, which I thought uh-huh. was really funny. They zoomed in. Um, <laughs> yep. So no jailhouse makeup this time. No. You know, no but Jolly Rancher lipstick or. <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> basically, at the end, one of the things that the judge said to Mark Means was that mm-hmm. maybe he ought to. Uh, 
talk a, talk to a seasoned defense attorney and get some advice. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he kind of had that coming because in the beginning he pointed out that he's not a seasoned defense attorney. Yes. Uh, I read a, someone in the chat room said something that I thought was hilarious. Uh, he said he wasn't a seasoned defense attorney. And she said, boy, you're lucky if you've got one spice. <laughs> seasoned. It was wild. So I'm really curious to see what happens mm-hmm. if he continues to be her attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think because one thing that happened this week that we oh, didn't yes. bring up is that Chad has now, uh, Mark Means is also Chad's attorney now, which will actually never fly if they are both charged. Yep. Bartholik is out. Mm -hmm. Now Mark Means is the only attorney on either one of their. Now, Chad doesn't have a case, technically. He hasn't been charged with anything yet. If and when he is charged, however, they can't both have the same attorney and being charged for the same crime. They're going to have to split. But. Basically, what it really boils down to is they're running out of money real rapidly. They are. They're running out of money. Um, You know, there are there's some scuttlebutt out in the world that Mark Means and Chad know each other. And that may be Mm -hmm. why this why he's representing them to begin with, because there is a lot of Mm -hmm. question about why, when you are accused of something so significant, are you seeking out someone who is not a defense attorney to defend you in the first place? Yep. Um, Yep. You know, obviously, Lori would be. Um, eligible for a public defender. She has no job. She has no income of her own. They would likely be able to give her a public defender. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently that's not, I don't know. It makes me wonder how much she got out of this. Although I will say that Nate Eaton, who is Mm -hmm. East Idaho News reporter who's covering this, said on Twitter last night that as she walked out of the courtroom, she said under her breath, well, that was a waste of money. (laughs) (laughs) You think, Lori? You think? She had to have been mad. Now, there is a lawyer here on YouTube that, yes. and, and you guys have to know about him because he's just, he's glorious. His name is Scott. Oh, damn. I'm going to have to find it. But he, he does a weekly, uh, well, a daily actually kind of tying up what happened in a, you know, in, in courts across the land today. He's looking at like dumb criminals and things like that. His mm-hmm. name is Scott Reich. You guys absolutely have to go find him on YouTube. He is a scream, but he's an attorney. And so he understands some of this legal stuff and the things that he said about this case. uh, He said a lot of things about this case, but the things he said about this uh, proceeding were hysterical. But, you know, he basically said Mark Means looked like an intern. Mm -hmm. This hearing should have taken no more than 15 minutes. You know, there was just we're presenting this. We're going to argue it. The judge is going to make a ruling. He said, there's no way this could have possibly lasted two and a half hours, uh, you know, unless it was just extreme incompetence. But yeah, and and he also predicted that Mark Means will be off this case in no time because he obviously has no idea what he's doing. Gosh, if they've got half a brain or $2 to rub together, I would imagine um, Mm -hmm. I would get rid of him in a second. It was awful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the thing that we have to come back to is that no information came out about this case. No information came about the children or where they are or what's happened to them. Nothing. No. All of this In fact, was there was zero mention. Bullshit. Those kids' names never yep. came up. No, Lori's name zero mentioned. Came up. Mm-hmm. And so we're really no closer to knowing what has happened here. No. Um, the The trial has been moved to July, although there was lots of complaining about that from Mark Means. And so there's it's possibly coming back to the end of May. I don't know. Well, Mark Means sure. was complaining that his client is not receiving an expedient trial and that that's her legal right. And the judge said, well, Mr. Means, 
you're the person who asked for a continuance. You are the reason it was moved to July. She said, I have room on my docket in June or at the end of May. Would you like to move it? Yeah. Turns out, no, maybe he's not. He just yeah. wants to be hurt. Yeah, he just wants to be picked on. That's his. That seems to be his angle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, attorneys all have different angles. Some people pick apart procedures. Some people are great yeah. orators. Some people just hammer the evidence. This guy is picked on. I don't know mm-hmm. how effective that is, but it seems to be his mm-hmm. angle. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens with the trial if those dates do get changed or not. I don't know. They didn't change them in this hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect that they won't. I really I, suspect I, that they won't. But. Well, especially if there's an attorney change here, which if there isn't, right. I, then I guess they. she just wants to go to prison. I don't know. <laughs> no, what to she say. just wants to drag this out until the end of July when right. she truly believes that the mm-hmm. beginning of the return of Christ is coming and she's not going to be held accountable for any of this stuff anyway. Busted right out of jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that really is the, the thinking, I think, for a lot of us is that that is the intention. Is yeah. that it's all going to just go away at the end of July anyway, and so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm real curious to see what happens at that time, and you know we'll be here mm-hmm. reporting it. Don't you worry. Yeah, <laughs> you bet. Now, you, bet. you might know that Dateline aired on that same day, May 1st, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a new um, story about this case. We mm-hmm. had so much this week to report, we couldn't possibly report on that, so we're going to talk yeah. about it next week. But mm-hmm. we really wanted to give you the play-by-play of the hearing because... It was something out of, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't think that um, Atticus Finch would have believed it. <laughs> it <was> just, <laughs> Christy and I were both at our own homes watching it, and we were uh, chatting through Facebook Messenger throughout it. I went back later and read the messages to each other and died laughing because it was just everything that he said. Like, there were just so many shocking things. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't bring up is he actually threatened the judge. Yes, he did threaten, he the, threatened judge. the judge in the very beginning. Prosecutor as a as a witness. <laughs> oh yeah, we totally forgot that. Yeah, at one point she said, uh, basically said, you can't uh, keep telling me what the intent of the prosecutor was. That's his job. And he said, okay, fine then, Your Honor. I would like to call the prosecutor as a witness. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's when the prosecutor probably laughed the hardest. Yeah, but, um, I think. So um, certainly she that did not let happen. him know that's not what's happening here. And you don't get to call the prosecutor as a witness. But <laughs> but he did threaten the judge with a federal lawsuit. He <laughs> quoted some statute or something that uh, William Barr, you know, the, the national. The, yeah, the, the AG has put out. I wasn't even quite sure what he was saying, because frankly, it was just. Everything was so bananas, you know, but at any rate, he quoted something from Barr and then basically told her that if she did not read that in the letter of uh, intent that he believed it to be, that she could be opening herself up for a federal lawsuit. Uh, The prosecutor and the detective that was uh, sitting with the prosecutor both about broke their necks, turning to look at him in complete shock when he threatened the judge with a lawsuit. Lots of missteps. And that was in the very beginning. Not exactly the way to get the judge on your side of things. No. Turns out, but you know, she was a step ahead of him cool. the entire time. She zinged him oh. over and over again. The stuff with the Constitution was absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the pointing out that maybe he ought to speak to a defense attorney to get some help uh-huh. was awesome. She just did yep. a lot of those things, the making him stand. You know, she made mm-hmm. it very clear from the very beginning mm-hmm. that uh, she's in charge and he's not. Yeah. Yep. 
it was great. Yeah, he had some bully tactics, you know, for sure. And I think the over speaking and the going around in circles and oh. throwing out various dates. And I think that, you know, some of that was inexperienced, but I think that was also, that's the way he operates to mm-hmm. wear people down Just and, the and keep them down. Mm-hmm. Of trying to keep track of everything that he was saying mm-hmm. was, it was dizzying. It really was. It was. Yeah. But she managed props. it like a pro. She yep. did. He was a fantastic well, and interestingly, just from an energetic standpoint, I mean, as he was talking, literally, I think by the time it was, you know, time for the prosecutor to have his turn, everybody was just exhausted. And the prosecutor was a master of, sh- of shifting the energy. It very calm that courtroom just like that. I felt like, wow. No wonder you're a prosecutor. Yeah, he has an energetic girl. gift, yeah, to mm-hmm. calm a room, to bring the energy down. He was gifted. Yeah. yeah. I thought very, that was really very interesting. Much so. And so concise. Mm-hmm. He was able, you know, he was refuting two hours of crap, and he did it in less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a very convincing way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very clear. Very mm-hmm. clear. He was not ruffled at all, which I thought was really Uh-oh. cool. No, he was amused, you know, throughout mm-hmm. it, but he, yeah. he maintained professionalism though. I don't want to indicate that he didn't. He did. No, he definitely did. Mm-hmm. I, they, he did a great job. So he did. And in fact, um, his appearance in this uh, hearing gave me a lot of confidence in him moving mm-hmm. forward and trying Lori uh, in whatever shall come, you know, yeah. but whatever else is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the word from the trenches. Yeah. So don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to True Crime Paranormal. And we know this isn't a super paranormal case, but it's a really important one. So we wanted to cover yeah. it. You can and also it has find a major spiritual aspect to it as well. Yes, very yeah. much so. Very much so. And we feel like we're we're equipped to explain that. So that's one way, yeah. reason why we're here. Um, also, you can find us on Facebook, True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters is our fan page, and we have a discussion group that is connected to that page. You can also find us on Patreon if you like the work that we are doing and want to become a patron. You will get some free extra content. Well, I wouldn't say it's free, but extra content if you become a patron. (laughs) So find us at Patreon. We're True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters over there as well. Yep. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next week, and we're going to talk all about the new Dateline special. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.